Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. And also keep in mind that our English audio messages are available as podcasts through iTunes. You can look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Today, and more than ever, we need to be careful about where we go to gather as believers and who we listen to. Just because there are a lot of options does not mean that they're all good. We'll be taking a look at John chapter 2, where we'll be learning through God's Word what church should not be about and about the places and preachers we need to stay away from and what the true purpose of going to church should be about. We'll also see where, or rather who, our true church should be, that it is more than just a place. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we listen to today's message. Let us go to the Lord in prayer and ask for guidance, direction, and clear understanding. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord. I give you thanks, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation, for the hope, for the grace, for the forgiveness that we find through him. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, because you love us, because you care about us, and because, Lord God, you, you wish and desire to be closer and closer to us each day. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive all my sins, O Lord. And I pray, O Lord God, now, Heavenly Father, that you may please speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you may guide us, that you may direct us, O Lord. But above everything, help us to have a clear understanding, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to be ready to listen and to just take it all in. For your honor and glory, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we'll be looking at John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. And this is what God's word says. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us, since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. There are all kinds of churches nowadays. There are many that close, but there are also new ones that open up. 
But with so many options available, where is the right place? We probably need to first establish that it is necessary for every believer to congregate somewhere with other believers and on a regular basis, and that gathering together has a definite purpose. There are many folks that make the decision to not go to church for many reasons, and although some of those decisions may be understandable, we still need to prayerfully find a place and gather for the reasons that we will clarify a little later on in this message. But for right now, we do need to understand that it is not good to stay away from going to church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So now that we know that we should be going somewhere, where is that? Probably the best way to go about explaining the where we should go is by explaining first what should be or not be happening at this place of worship. If we look at another passage in the Gospels where we're given a little more detail on what Jesus did and said regarding the event we read at the beginning, we'll get much better insight. Mark chapter 11 tells us this, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. I guess what should be very clear to us is that getting this particular issue right for God is very important. This is one of the only times that the Bible records some sort of physical reaction from the Lord himself. The Lord was always calm, loving, compassionate, and patient. But with this particular subject, we read of him getting very physical. So what happens in church is supremely important to the Lord. The other observation we can make here is that church should be a place where people gather to pray together to the Lord and to not conduct business. And here is where it gets very complicated per se. And by complicated, I mean that a lot of folks get it very wrong. Although we do need up to a certain point a place to gather, the place itself should not become so vital. Many people focus on construction and building prominence rather than on what should be happening. And like every other mundane building project, when you get focused on construction, then soliciting for money is what becomes the center of attraction, if you will. It becomes a reason for gathering. And that is a huge problem, as we just read. Church cannot become a place where money becomes a reason to get together. A place to get together is necessary, and there are expenses involved with that, because nothing physical is free in this world. But this is something that needs to be done very carefully, without losing our prime focus on Christ and on the needs of people, because one of the functions of the church should be to help meet the various needs of people, not just spiritual needs, but also human and physical needs. The other problem that helps us understand what should definitely not become part of church life is also related to money. And here is where we need to keep our spiritual eyes very open because this is something that gets the Lord quite upset as well. 
There is a passage in the Bible that explains to us very clearly what a servant should be given and not what many people use to take advantage of other people. Luke chapter 10 says this, After these things the Lord appointed seventy others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Many use this passage where it says that the laborer is worthy of his wages. What does this truly mean? If we look at it in context, we can understand that those that have made the decision to serve Christ by preaching and sharing the word with others should have a place to stay that does not belong to them necessarily because they're staying at someone else's house. And the food and water they need for that day, that's it. We can clearly understand that only very necessary things are to be made available to those that serve the Lord. There is no place in the New Testament where it establishes that a pastor or a minister or preacher needs to get a fat salary with a bonus package or that they need a big house or fancy cars or expensive clothes or expensive vacations or anything like that. If we look at what the Apostle Paul commanded regarding this same thing, he had said this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. In short, those that serve like I do personally through this ministry, should work. No one is supposed to take advantage of anyone else. Jesus didn't do it, so why should we? And what Paul is mentioning in this passage applies to regular believers. So how much more should work mean to those that are supposed to give the example, those that preach to and teach others? The Bible also teaches us this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where it says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, 
knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if a person has an issue with using godliness as a means of gain, the Bible is very clear on this where it says again, from such withdraw yourselves. And it becomes very clear when a person is using God's things for personal gain. Because again, a church can provide for the things that are necessary but never for luxuries. When we make the decision to follow and serve Christ, we are supposed to let go of the love of money. And finally, on the topic of those that serve God for personal gain, Jude chapter 1 has this to say, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries, Yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses dare not bring against him a reviling accusation but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally like brute beasts in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them for they have gone in the way of Cain have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever." Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to take advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So if you see someone that is filling their pockets, and they are very easy to spot, run away from them. They will try to use swelling words and flatter you, but don't listen to them. They will tell people what they want to hear and not necessarily the truth. And don't make the mistake that many people do, which is to stay wherever it is that they are, thinking that your place is to be there to pray for them. They have only one thing on their mind, and that is money. Just think about it for a moment. Let's assume there's someone that barely has enough to eat and subsist. No matter how hard they work, and they bring their tithe and offering to church, as they should. And they can't even afford any kind of personal transportation. But yet, the pastor of the church where they attend has a luxury vehicle and is wearing a suit that is worth more than their month's rent. Is that right? Is that what Jesus did? Did Paul do that? Of course not. So, no matter how big the church is or how much the church group is able to afford... No one that is being supported by that church group, by the hard work of those giving, should be allowed to have more than what is required to subsist, only what is necessary. There is no more human high priest so that fancy and expensive clothing is no longer warranted. There are no more Levites where they needed to live at the temple to serve with the sacrifices. The times of the temple and the sacrifices are long gone. What we are taught now in the scriptures is the example of Christ, especially for those that desire to serve the Lord. And so, coming back to what should be happening in a place of worship, we can understand that it needs to be a place where we come together to pray to the Lord. It should be a place where we come to listen to sound Bible teaching. It should be a place where we come together to praise and worship our God as the church family we are. It should be a place where people come to hear the gospel so they can be saved. It should be a place of instruction where people are taught how to follow and serve the Lord. It should be a place where the needy can come for help because the church is supposed to help those in need. The widow, the orphan, the hungry, the broken, the homeless, those that do not have any clothes, and so on. It should be a place where we come together to encourage each other to keep pressing towards the goal of eternity and expanding the kingdom of God on earth. Everything that we do as a group should push forward the two greatest commandments which were clearly identified by Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 8 says this, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is what the local church should be about. Now, is there such a thing as a perfect church here on earth? Of course not. Because for starters, no one is perfect. I'm not. The moment you stepped into a church family, you made it more imperfect. That's the truth. 
But we need to find a place where, in general, the leadership of that church does not take advantage of anyone, where money is not the center or the focus, and where they are focused on helping every person, believer and unbeliever, fulfill the greatest commandments we just read. And finally, church or the temple is more than a place. As we read at the beginning, Jesus made reference to himself and to what he was going to go through using the temple metaphor. When Jesus spoke, he spoke of the temple of his body and that he would be killed as the Holy Lamb of God as an eternal sacrifice for our sins and that he would be raised in three days after living the greatest horrors any being could ever live. So by this we understand that our main temple our place of refuge should be Jesus Christ. He needs to become our go-to place, our place of worship, our place of prayer, the place where every believer and follower of God finds the peace, mercy, and salvation we all need. David, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoke clearly about this concept. Psalm 91 says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And so, we need to be careful with where we decide to gather with other people. Because it is necessary to congregate. Jesus is the prime example we are given to follow. And Jesus always went to the temple, so we should go as well. But with so many choices, we just need to be careful. Not everything is good out there. We need to remember that we are like sheep among the wolves. And no matter how sweetly or enticing some people try to be with their words and flattery in sharing things that sound good, you, as a sheep you are, need to keep in mind that they are wolves. So they're only thinking about what they are going to take from you, or worse, how you will become their meal in some way. It's a terrible thing to have to worry about, but it is unfortunately a part of life. 
even in a sacred place like church. We need to mainly keep in mind that a church cannot become a place of business. It should not be a place where money becomes the center of attraction in one way or another. It should not be a place where we are more focused about building buildings than building the kingdom of God. It should not be a place where we come to give sacrificially so that schemers become wealthy. You should find a place where loving God is first and loving your neighbor is the next focus. But in all of this, you always need to remember that Jesus needs to be your temple, your safe place, your refuge, your go-to place at every moment of your life, every single day. And we always need to remember that because it is the only fair thing to do because God made you and he died in our place for you and for me so that our sins could be forgiven and so we can have the great and eternal hope of salvation. Jesus Christ should be the center of the place you should choose to go regularly. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you, O Lord, and I worship you. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us, O Lord, to be able to see the truth for what it is. Sometimes the truth isn't nice, isn't pretty, but it is the truth. Your word teaches us truth. Thank you, O Lord, because you give us your instruction through your word, through your scriptures. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you just didn't leave us to just figure it out on our own, but you you were precise. And Lord God, you, you want to teach us, to help us learn so that we can, Lord God, just reap the benefits that we need to reap. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, because you watch out for us. Because you are our refuge. You, Lord God, are our protection. Help us, O Lord, that most important thing is that we always need to come to you as our temple, as our safe haven. Heavenly Father, help us to also be, uh, be zealous that wherever we go to church, that it may be a place where your name is lifted on high, where you, where Jesus Christ is the center, where people can come to know the truth, where we are also able to come together to help others, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that they might be able to see things clearly, not necessarily with a critical eye, but with an observant eye. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you help them to be open to your guidance and that they might be able to go to places that, that, are, that are ultimately good for them. Lord God, and, and that they might be able to, to be in these places and receive of your word, of your guidance, of your truth. And that, Lord, they may learn to love you more and love their neighbor more as well, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I just pray again for every person that's listening and for your, that your guidance may just be clear, Heavenly Father, to them. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. Please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer. 
Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.